Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose. It's time for TMA Extra Dose. You can follow along on Twitter, at Slam Radio XM. Now, TMA Extra Dose with Nick Hamilton, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be on this planet. Hope everybody had a good weekend. Seems like the rest of the country, some did, some didn't, depending on how you went about the voting selection process as it was announced uh, this past Saturday that uh, Joe Biden will be our next president come January 20th of 2021, the 46th president of the United States. That means your man 45 is counting his days on out the White House. Now, also some historic information that transpired was the fact that Kamala Harris, who is now the vice president-elect, is the very first woman ever to be named vice president in this country. When you think about that, you think about whether you agree with her, whether you like her, dislike her, you have to give credit where it's due um, when it comes to this type of situation. And that's the fact that there's never been a woman to hold that type of position, that important position ever in the history of this country. So you could you could look at it and I choose to look at it from this standpoint that, you know what, we're starting to evolve somewhat. When you've had a history of nothing but men in that position, and she becomes the first woman in that position and a very educated, uh, intelligent woman at that. And you got to take your hat off to it. And uh, I'm glad to be a part of this time frame that I can I, I'm able to witness something of this magnitude. You know, I was fortunate to witness having the first black president in Barack Obama. I was actually at the inauguration uh, myself and a few guys that I knew. Uh, actually attended the inauguration in 09 uh, when he was sworn in. And uh, even though it was very cold, it was windy. I've never experienced cold like that ever in my life. I've grown up in Southern California my entire life. We don't get that kind of cold. It gets when we when we experience cold here, it gets below 50 degrees. That's cold for us here. Okay. Say what you want. I'm not an East Coast person. I've never grown up on the East Coast. And I'm so happy I have it because I am a tropical individual. I like the sun. I like the warmth. I like the heat. That's where I like to be. So L.A. is just fine for me. But, uh, you know, I battled through that cold and it was definitely worth it to witness history. Something I could tell my 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 kid and, uh, you know, just family members that I was able to witness history. And the same thing now with uh, Kamala Harris being as the first you know, woman vice president, man, that's historical. And hopefully they can turn this country back around uh, to getting it where we need to get it to, especially dealing with the COVID situation with all the social injustice and everything like that. Uh, maybe they can you know, have some better ways and what we've experienced with 45. So, hey, everybody, congratulations to those people that voted for Joe Biden. Um, you know, for those people that voted for 45, Yikes. Go have to get with the program eventually. If not, eh, sucks to be you. But congratulations to once again to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris uh, for being a part of the new regime uh, for the next four years. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with that. It should be interesting. 
Uh, definitely going to keep your eyes peeled and uh, your ears to the street because you definitely got to be paying attention uh, moving forward. Speaking of which, the NFL Sunday weekend is upon us and has come and gone. And listen, Tampa Bay is on a milk carton. The Cowboys are still America's accident. And the Chargers pullout game is pretty weak. So I'm going to talk. Listen, you look at the Tampa Bay Bucks, and a lot of y'all out there and a lot of people out there have said, oh, Tampa Bay is going to go to the Super Bowl, especially when we found out that Antonio Brown was going to be joining the team. We all know how talented Antonio Brown is, but with his off-the-field issues and even in-house issues, I would say when it comes to certain locker rooms, have not been favorable in the likes of Antonio Brown as he skipped from team to team to team. And he, he's finally found another home with the Tampa Bay Bucks, and that was due in part to his relationship with quarterback Tom Brady. And when you look on Sunday night, now you think you look at a Sunday night affair and you say, okay, I got the Bucks." And I have the Saints, right? So I have the Bucks and the Saints. You automatically think, oh, that's going to be a, a highly contested battle. You think it's going to be a, maybe a shootout between Drew Brees and Tom Brady. You think about the NFC South. This could be, you know, supremacy in the NFC South. This could be up for grabs. Could this be a potential NFC championship preview at some point? All these complications happen. But you know what? The Tampa Bay Bucks decided to be the milk carton all-stars. They refused to show up. And I say that because the New England, listen, the New Orleans Saints, excuse me, uh, were absolutely phenomenal in this game. Drew Brees looked like the Drew Brees that this that, that year that the Saints went on and won the Super Bowl that year. That's what that Drew Brees looked like. It was like a reincarnation. Well, obviously, I haven't seen Mr. Newlong look that good in a long time. And, and yes, the, the return of Michael Thomas did help, but that New Orleans Saints defense definitely stepped up in a big way. I mean, you look at that game. I mean, the Bucs didn't even get a first down into the second quarter. This is the Bucs with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and Antonio Brown and Gronk and that O-line and Tom Brady. That's right. Tom Brady, the, the, the GOAT, 43-year-old GOAT. And then get a first down to the second to nearly the end of the second quarter. And you have four tries at scoring in the end zone and came up short. Couldn't get it done. And you only came out with three points. Now, if I told you that, that the New Orleans Saints will open up a fresh can of whoop ass on the Tampa Bay Bucks, you probably thought I was drinking or I was the biggest hater in the world. And yes. I'm going granted Antonio Brown did come up with a couple of good catches, which were meaningless because they didn't result in touchdowns. And so if you're Tom Brady and if you're Antonio Brown, and I know Antonio Brown is staying with Tom Brady. I hope Antonio Brown made it to the house before Tom Brady did, because Brady might be changing them locks. Buddy might be sleeping in the car outside. Because the way they played, he deserved to change the locks on all the teammates. Because the Bucs look putrid. They look pathetic. And this is the same team that you all said that was going to the Super Bowl and represent at the Super Bowl for the NFC against the Kansas City Chiefs? Really? And you can't even beat a division rival in the New Orleans Saints? You can't even show up for the New Orleans Saints? Everybody loses, everybody wins. We get that. But you don't even show up? Really? 
yeah, that's a team I, I definitely am looking forward to representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. Yeah, good luck with that. I don't see that happening at all. Not at all. Then I looked at Pittsburgh and the Dallas Cowboys. We all know the Cowboys, quote unquote, are America's team. I like to call them America's accident because they are they are an accident waiting to happen. I mean, Pittsburgh defense was is a top sack team in the entire league. I mean, they they lead the league in sacks, and you saw why on Sunday. I mean, even though Dallas came out with some flair and with some fire, and Pittsburgh looked like they were asleep, looked like they missed the bus. But when I look at the Dallas Cowboys, they had a 13-9 lead in the first half. That was shocking because I I thought that the Pittsburgh Steelers, when, even though they were 7-0 at the time, I thought they were going to steamroll over the Cowboys. The Cowboys look absolutely putrid. But they had some they had some good offensive strides. I mean, CeeDee Lamb scored a touchdown. You had uh, uh, Amari Cooper making some big plays. You had... You had Zeke Elliott making some big plays. The defense actually stopped a, a, a couple of uh, fourth and ones as Pittsburgh was trying to move the chains down the field. So you, you said to yourself, you know what? Dallas don't look that bad. Even though they're missing their quarterback in Dak, they don't really look that bad. But lo and behold, the Cowboys will be the Cowboys. <laughs> and they'll find a way to collapse. And, I t- and yes, they are America's accident because they had the game won. All they had to do was continue to do the same things that, that got that propelled them ahead in, in, in the first half to continue to keep those things going in the second half. And Pittsburgh's defense prevented them from getting into the end zone in the entire third quarter, which was remarkable. And to me, they came out the deep. They came, they kept Pittsburgh's defense kept Dallas out of the end zone the entire second half. Now you know how soft Dallas is now. Dallas is so damn soft. Did you see a video of Juju Smith Schuster? Shout out to Juju Smith Schuster for scoring a TD, but also having a really good game. But he's also a, so, a SoCal guy, so you know I got to represent for the West Coast. Anytime I see a guy like Juju Smith Schuster, former USC Trojan, I might add. The pride of Southern California. The man sat there and danced on the Cowboy star. He danced on the star, and no Cowboy did anything about it. Not one Cowboy came over there and tried to mush him off the star, just out of respect. Now, I'm not sitting up here casting any aspersions and saying that Juju Smith-Schuster was going to outright disrespect the Cowboy star. I think he was just having some fun. But the fact, the way it looked... You remember when Terrell Owens did that as a member of the 49ers? In the middle of the field, start dancing on the star? What happened? A Cowboys player came all the way from downfield to bump him off the star and said, you're not going to do that to our star at home. I didn't see one Cowboy in the vicinity of Juju Smith-Schuster dancing on the star. That shows you how much of a difference this Cowboys team is and how soft this Cowboys team is. Ain't no way in hell if you had Juju Smith-Schuster doing that 10 years ago, five years ago, you wouldn't have at least one Dallas Cowboy looking at him and mean mugging him and, and mushing him off the star and probably spearing like he was on Monday Night Raw. But you didn't see that with the Dallas Cowboys. And that's another problem. They don't have any heart. They can't finish games. 
They trick off leads and they're an accident. That's what they are. Dallas Cowboys are an accident. They are America's accident. You are no longer America's team. Your new trademark should be Dallas Cowboys, America's accident. Because that's exactly what you are. And speaks of, speaking of accidents, my goodness gracious, I was at SoFi Stadium on Sunday as the, as the Chargers hosted the Las Vegas Raiders uh, in the AFC West divisional matchup. And let me tell you something. I was stunningly surprised at the Las Vegas Raiders and how much they have they have come and how far they have come as a team, as an organization. And I look at Derek Carr, and I know, I know Derek Carr has got a lot of heat on him. And some of it is warranted. Some of it is not. But listen, they have Josh Jacobs, who I think is a phenomenal running back. I think the defense has improved. Um, I was I was suspect on Henry Ruggs at third. I'm still suspect on Henry Ruggs at third. I love Hunter Renfro, though. I think Hunter Renfro was a godsend to that offense, especially the way that Gruden likes to run that offense. Um, and it was a showdown because you had Justin Herbert, who has been absolutely phenomenal. This kid is the real deal. He's the truth. I know a lot of people worried and wondered if he was going to be able to compete in the NFL, especially his time playing at Oregon. Um and being able to adjust to the NFL relatively quickly uh, when it comes to, you know, a rookie and the speed of the game. And listen, Justin Herbert knows how to take licks. He knows how to take hits and he gets right back up. He's poised in the pocket. He doesn't get easily. He's not stirred. He's not shaken. This man is solid as they come. And this kid, it has, has a, a rifle of an arm. He has a very strong arm and, Listen, it was a back and forth matchup between the Chargers and the Raiders. I thought it was it was a great it was a great matchup. It was a great test for the Chargers more so because you want to see if if Justin Herbert can get that second victory, can get that second win. And let me tell you something. Once the Raiders took over and they scored and and Derek Carr jumping over somebody with the Jordan 10s on my so it's got to be the shoes cuz I've never seen Derek Carr jump a leap over anybody just to get a first down so the jordan 10s must be working for him this season it's not the first time i've seen him do well so if Derek carr if you're listening keep rocking the jays because the jays are doing you justice so once the once the raiders went up i believe it was by it was 31 26 they only left so much time for Justin Herbert to march the team down the field. And trust me, they were marching down the field. He was throwing dimes. He was throwing picks. You had uh, and within, I believe, a 25 or 30-yard line, you had Derek, uh, excuse me, you had Justin Herbert launch it to Mike Williams with a class. The clock was ticking in, the, in about the five-yard mark. Threw it to Mike Williams in the end zone once again. Couldn't come up with it. They had still had one more shot. They had about one second left on the clock. Um and here's how it went. One second. Here's the ball game. Herbert will float it right side. It is Parham. Did he catch it? He did. Touchdown, Donald Parham. Career NFL touchdowns. Well, he's got the ball there. The knee is down. That equals two feet. But is that ball moving around? Nothing definitive right there. Let's check it out here. Oh, that is an incomplete pass. That is an incomplete pass. Look at 
Isaiah Johnson getting his hand in there late. Shield has been changed. The receiver did not maintain control of the ball throughout the process of the catch. It's incomplete. Game over. All right. So an exciting finish. And, and trust us, we all thought that the Chargers won at the last minute. We all thought we sitting in the, we sitting in the in the media section. We sitting in the, in the media booth, and we all thought he won, which would have been a fantastic finish because Lord knows the Chargers needed some type of victory because they haven't been able to, to eke out a victory. They've either had victory, they had leads and blown them, or didn't have enough time to catch up. And let me tell you something, uh, it was a heartbreaker. You ever? This was the kind of heartbreaker it was. You ever go out with your boys and you see this fine chick and you finally had the courage enough to go go holler at her and try to spit that good game at her? And your boys is, is are telling you, man, she out of your league. You're not going to be able to get at her. And you go over there with all the confidence in the world, talk your best talk, talk that stuff. You finally get her number. You show your boys that you got her number. She walks away. You lose track of where she is. And then all of a sudden you call the number and it says, this number has been changed. If you reach this number in error, please check the number and dial again. That's what it felt like for the Chargers. When you thought that you won, you go back to the replay and realize, damn, that was a well-defended ball. Thought our man came up with it. Donald Palmer Jr. Thought he came up with it. Nope, not this time. You that you lose another game. So what's next for the Los Angeles Chargers? What can they do to turn this around? What can anything happen to turn this team around? Is it too late to turn this team around? We'll get into all those questions and hopefully get some answers with our our Chargers insider from Sports Illustrated, Fernando Ramirez, will be coming up on the other side of the break. Please make sure you stay tuned. You're checking out TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM, Slam Radio 145. Stay tuned. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungle by Lloyd. Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker everywhere. What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Sirius XM, yeah. All right, everybody, welcome back to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Make sure you follow me on all things social media at Nick Hamilton LA. And also want to give a, a condolence, but a special shout out to Alex Trebek, who we lost over the weekend. He uh, succumbed to cancer. He was stage four of pancreatic cancer. Uh, he fought the, the hard fight. He was battling for a very, very long time. Uh, he, he passed away at the age of 80 years old. And Alex Trebek made learning cool. If you don't know what I mean, anybody and everybody has ever watched Jeopardy, Teen Jeopardy, Super Jeopardy, College Jeopardy, Jeopardy on Crenshaw, whatever Jeopardy they kind of they spun off, it was because of Alex Trebek. And Alex Trebek, and I learned something from Jeopardy. I know, I mean, Jeopardy sp spun a lot of different generations. Um, it went through uh, different people, whether it was your, your grandparents, your parents, your brother, your sister, whomever it was, your friends, whoever it was, Jeopardy was a mainstay in millions of households across the country and, dare I say, across the world. So our respect. Thank you, Alex Trebek, for making education cool. Thank you for teaching us something and allowing us to, to be a part of your journey. And uh, you are definitely you are gone, but never will be forgotten. 
So rest in peace. Our condolences and thoughts and prayers out to Alex Trebek's family. And he will always be Jeopardy. I don't know who the hell they're going to, if they're going to bring Jeopardy back, who would be the host? Because there's nobody that could fill those shoes. I mean, I'm sure there will be somebody, but it's almost like filling, you know, uh, that's that's kind of like, shoes. yeah, that's kind of, shoes. yeah, it's kind of like, or like in Price is Right, how they got Drew Carey to do it after Bob Barker, but it's just, it's just not the same. <laughs> Pretty much. And that voice that you hear, ladies and gentlemen, he is he is from Sports Illustrated. He covers the Los Angeles Chargers. He's the Chargers insider. I call him the mayor of the Chargers because Lord knows he gets everything and everybody knows everybody on the team and throughout the entire personnel. He is the one and only Fernando Ramirez. What's going on, man? How you doing? Thank you, Nick. Hey, man, at my funeral, I want you to speak because that, that was that was very nice. That was very well put. Uh, I just saw a video of Alex Trebek uh, going over rap lyrics as one of the, <laughs> as one of the uh, and he's just like panda, 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 and it's just it's just hilarious the way he's going down through that. He, I think he had some Ice Cube lyrics, he had some Little Wayne lyrics, and I'm like, oh my god, this is hilarious! Like we need more of this. This is awesome, dude. The funniest one is when he did the nothing but a G thing lyrics. <laughs> If I'm slipping, then I'm slipping. But if I got my knee under, you know I'm straight tripping. For him to recite that <laughs> and do it flawlessly, though. Yeah, and the way he did it is just hilarious. Man. Oh, yeah, no, but He's... RIP, I, um, honestly, it was, he, like you said, he made learning fun, and it was awesome to watch the show. I remember watching it when uh, I was younger. I actually had a coworker at NBC when I was at NBC San Diego who, he would sit there during our during his lunch break and he would watch Jeopardy and answer questions. And we got into a fight because <laughs> one night he's like, I'm like, dude, they give him a booklet with all these answers and they just go and memorize that stuff. Do you really think they do that? I was like, yeah, dude, they do that. Like, <laughs> I can memorize that. And he gets all, he would get all, uh, he would start laughing about it and get all mad. But yeah, no, RIP, great show. I, it's honestly going to be, like you said, interesting who they get, but yeah, no, definitely, yeah. Um, definitely uh, love Jeopardy. I loved uh, Alex Trebek. I think I think he's one of the greatest uh, of all time. Absolutely, you speak of R.I.P. R.I.P. to the Chargers' short-lived victory. That's got to be the quickest victory I've ever seen on a Sunday. Now, you and I were both at SoFi Stadium on Sunday where we witnessed the Las Vegas Raiders coming into SoFi against the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, any other time, that probably would have been a Raider home game if fans were allowed in. But this time, uh, it was no fans allowed, so it was, it was pretty much even. Um, that last that last play, I mean, we saw the last couple of plays. I mean, Justin Herbert was poised. He was in the pocket. He was moving the ball down the field. He was moving the chains. Uh, he threw it a uh, uh, strike to uh, Mike Williams at about the five-yard line. Threw it to Mike again in the end zone. Mike couldn't get to it. Um, you know, he was he was injured on a play that it appeared to be. Um, in the last play with one second left. This is for all the marbles. This is gonna be Justin Herbert's one of his defining moments of his career as we as, as we push forward. And Donald Parham Jr. could not hold on to the ball, it was very well defended. Um, you know, what did you see from that play? And have you experienced anything like that covering a team where you have you thought a team was victorious and then all of a sudden they get the win snatched out of them and say, nope, sorry, but not sorry. You don't win anything. Go That last part, the last time I remember something like this, I don't know if you remember uh, Kansas City versus the Chargers in 2013. It was uh, 
Mike McCoy's first year as the head coach. And uh, the Kansas City had backups. Alex Smith had sat out. All their stars had sat out because they had already made the playoffs. And the Chargers were fighting for the 60. They needed Baltimore to beat Cincinnati. And they needed uh, – no, they needed Cincinnati to beat Baltimore. And they needed the Jets to beat Miami. The Jets were terrible that year. But both outcomes came in their favor. So the Chargers had to play the Chiefs. Um, they had a 27-yard field goal, I think it was, and the kicker missed, and it was to win the game. I remember I closed my and I went, oh, my God, here it goes, and he misses, and I was like, wow. You, like, you never see a miss like that, and uh, they go into overtime. Eric Weddle sneak, without telling Mike McCoy, sneaks the ball on – they were about a punt. So he grabs the, the – he steals the, the ball and jumps over the pile, fumbles, they run it back for a touchdown. Chiefs start celebrating, getting all crazy, and the refs are like, no, 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 we blew the whistle down by contact. So the Chargers drove down the field, kicked the field goal, won the game, and went into the playoffs to play Cincinnati. But that's the only other time the Chiefs went crazy. They were getting excited, but they uh, ended up losing that game, and the Chargers ended up winning. I I was very surprised, and, and Anthony Lynn was getting asked this a lot about it after the game, was the going two straight plays with a fade route. I mean, you have Hunter Henry, you have other weapons – I understood why they did the Mike Williams one. I mean, Mike is one of the best uh, uh, big play receivers who could go up and snatch it. And Donald Parham is six foot nine. Um, I, I just think both were, it's like you said, Nick, they were very well defended. Isaiah Johnson deserves a lot of credit for both. Of, he was the guy on both of those guys on those plays. He just made a good play. I mean, just downright to it. Uh, I, I was looking, I remember, because we have the, the TVs over here, I remember looking, and when they were celebrating, the players were all excited, just to see their faces, like, oh, my God, like, we finally got over this. And just to see it getting taken away, you're just like, wow, like, it's just another way they lost. And, I mean, I was very surprised with Anthony Lynn after the game. He usually shows anger, emotion, something. I just saw his face kind of like, what like how and then right now we just talked to him about an hour ago and he just said in his football career he has never had a season like this which is just incredible and I mean it's kind of I mean to say the least it's kind of a charger thing I mean that's just what their history kind of has been to an extent like they either blow big leads or you know what I'll, I'll leave it to you like this it's like in Mexican soccer we have a saying Juegan como nunca, pero pierden como siempre. They play well out of their minds, but they no matter what, they will always lose. So that's kind of it's just kind of the mantra when it comes to these guys. But um, but yeah, that's that's the only way I can put uh, what is going on this season. Yeah, it's been it's definitely been a disappointing season. It, but this whole 2020, I mean, in life, I've said this. You know, before in life, in sports, it's just been a weird year altogether. Um, but it seems like it's hit the Chargers harder than most uh, when it comes to to trying to obtain victories. Uh, you know, you had the incident with Tyrod Taylor where you had to throw Justin Herbert in, you know, just pretty much milliseconds before the game started against the Kansas City Chiefs. who He played pretty well. Um, especially with Steve Spagnuolo didn't have a lot of film on Justin Herbert prior. So I think that probably helped Justin Herbert's development during that game. But then you look at the games he faced against Tom Brady, the games he faced against uh, uh, Drew Brees and, 
you know, team. And, and, and like I said, against Derek Carr, everybody laughs at Derek Carr, but I think Derek Carr is still a good quarterback. And he showed yesterday, I mean, it's got to be the shoes because the man was wearing the Jordan 10s. He was leaping over people just to get a first down. I've never seen Derek Carr do that. I've had uh, multiple quarterbacks do that in one day. Teddy Bridgewater did that. He did that. And I, right. They <laughs> did that uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, uh, hey, Cam, watch out for Cam Newton tonight. <laughs> you know what? The thing about it is, I'm not, listen, I, that was a sorry game on Monday night. I don't even care about it. That's why I refuse to talk about it. I, I And, I look at so many different things that go on in this league. I'm like, you know what? I can do without that. I can put the pen, I can put the eraser to it. Um, but I'm sure the Chargers would love to erase some of these these mistakes that cost them games. Um, what are you seeing from this team that re- that allows them to remain hopeful and optimistic in spite of their current two and six record? To be honest, Nick, you don't have Derwin James, who is Honestly, I, I'll say it. He's the best safety in the NFL. He he is just different. He's a different beast. Uh, he has a, a lot of Sean Taylor, a lot of Ed, not Ed Reed. He has a lot of Sean Taylor. He has a lot of Ronnie Lott. He has that big playability where he, I feel like his rookie year, he was starting to find that he could get the ball out. He could get fumbles. He could get interceptions. Um Honestly, the, the the reason why you can be hopeful is last night you saw the New Orleans Saints beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 38-3, to I believe. And those two are considered Super Bowl teams. The Chargers were beating both of those teams. You look at the Kansas City Chiefs, who are considered a Super Bowl uh, – well, they just won the Super Bowl and they came back – they won the Super Bowl, and the Chargers were beating a Super Bowl team. They have the weapon. They have the quarterback. They have the receivers. It's just about putting it together. And to be honest, I think they need to make some changes on that defense. Um, they need some more players. They need to be, they need to bring in some more players just because it, it seems like in years past, the defense last year especially, it looked like the defense was, was what was keeping them in games. And this year, it's the defense is what's kind of losing them to a certain extent in games. Special teams at some points has lost them games. Last night, special teams lost them uh, lost them the game. The Chargers, uh, Michael Badgley missed a field goal last night. That's three points. The K.J. Hill fumbled the football, and the Raiders hit a field goal. That's another uh, three points. That's six points. Well, basically, the Chargers could have won. Like, the Chargers could have gone down uh, at the end of the game mm-hmm. and – would have win it they would have only been down by two if kj hill secures that and they could have won the well who knows if michael badgley even hits it just because he's been so weird but they they have they have the players they have the court you know what the most important thing is do you have the quarterback and the chargers certainly do i'm very surprised by it just because when i saw him in training camp i was kind of like i don't know like because he was going up against second and third team so you just didn't right. know but watching him now, you're like, wow, like this kid really can uh, do a lot. I think not having Austin Eckler is very has hurt them a lot as well. Just because he's a playmaker, he's another weapon that you can add. Uh, the running backs have been a little shaky at times without him. So, uh, But for the Chargers, they do have hope. They have the quarterback. They have Keenan Allen. They have Mike Williams. Uh, they have some good defensive players. But I think the secondary is very, has hurt them a lot this year, and I feel like there are – some changes that do need to be made to this uh, to this team moving forward in the offseason. 
When you talk about changes, and I look at this team, I mean, let's look a little bit into your Chargers crystal ball, if we may. Let's say this team finishes right now. They're two and six. They're current. They, if the draft happened today, they would be drafting six, like they did last year. Ironically, uh, if they go three and thirteen, four and twelve, obviously they'll be in a, somewhere in the top ten. And when it comes to drafts, what happens to Anthony Lynn moving forward? What happens to the staff? Um, or do they and and do the Chargers clean house from top to bottom? Uh, clean house, I, I don't know, just because I know that the Chargers really like Tom Telesco. They believe in him. Uh, they know that he's brought in the Derwin James, the Joey Bosa, the Justin Herbert. Uh, he's brought in playmakers like that. So he has enough to save himself um, from getting potentially uh, fired. When it comes to Anthony Lynn, it just it kind of feels like the Mike McCoy era where Mike McCoy, uh, his first season, takes him to the playoffs. Two winning records his first year and then two losing uh, records in his next two years. And that's exactly what happened with Anthony Lynn. A winning record, 9-7 and seven his first year, 12-4 and four his second. They make it to the divisional and then losing records the next two. So, honestly, I, 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 do, I do believe that Anthony Lynn right now and these coaches are coaching for their jobs just because, I mean, the only way uh, Anthony could possibly save himself is if they make a run. And then he says, you know what? I'm going to get Gus out of here. I'm going to bring in a new defensive coordinator, and we're going to try doing it like this. So um, I think a lot of head coaches are going to be fired this offseason, and I feel like if he can get a head coach right now that's a defensive coordinator maybe, brings him in to be the, the new defensive coordinator, maybe that way he could kind of save his job. Um, but I, I just don't see how next year I think they will be able to sell tickets. They will be able to have fans. I don't know how you – I don't know how you look at your fan base and say, hey, look, we're going to run it back with Anthony Lynn, especially if these next eight games they don't win. Because you have Buffalo at Buffalo. That's going to be a tough game. Uh, Buffalo at one point was kind of iffy. But look, Buffalo just turned it on. Miami Dolphins defense is something serious. Uh, Their team is starting to catch fire. Uh, You still play Kansas City. That's three. You still have Denver again, which Denver just lost to Atlanta last night. But hey, the Chargers don't make anything easy on themselves. They still have to go to Las Vegas, where the Raiders are right now positioned at the sixth spot for a playoff spot. I'm sure they're going to play them hard. So, And they still play the Atlanta Falcons and the New England Patriots. So it, it, it's a tough last eight games. It's going to be very tough. And like you said, if they if if they end up in a, with a top 10 pick again, I just don't see how Tom Telesco and uh, Dean Spanos and the family – can say, hey, it's a good idea to bring Anthony uh, Anthony Lynn back. I just I just don't see how he can rescue it if they don't end up at least eight and eight, if not seven and nine, to kind of balance it out. But um, but I just don't see how they can do that. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think if they go four and twelve or three and thirteen, there's no way you can arguably bring back Anthony Lynn or Tom Telesco for that matter. I think you have to completely just, just scrap everything. Um, because when you look, I mean, and that's not to say that Tom Telesco is not capable of doing his job, because as you mentioned, he did bring in a lot of quality players. But at the same time, sometimes you have to bring in a new regime to shake things up if you're trying to go in a different direction. And that's nothing against Anthony Lynn. I think Anthony Lynn can coach. I think he's a good coach. And I hope that he if he does get relieved of his duties at the end of the season, hopefully he'll land on his feet somewhere else uh, where they can utilize his services, because I do think he can coach in his in his football league. Um, but to me. If they if they do replace Anthony Lynn, I would personally look at somebody like a Jim Harbaugh 
reason why I say that is because I think they need a rock star coach, a guy that's good with quarterbacks, especially young quarterbacks. We saw what he did with Alex Smith, revitalized him. We saw what he did with Colin Kaepernick, who took the, the team to uh, the Super Bowl, was one quarter away from winning the Super Bowl. The lights didn't cut out. Uh, and then you saw what he's done with other quarterbacks. And I think if you keep Pep Hamilton, who's also worked with Jim Harbaugh at Stanford, and keep that continuity between Harbaugh, Herbert, and Pep, I think that could be that could pay dividends down the road as far as you know Justin Herbert's development. But I'm not sold on Mike on Mike Williams, and I say that because I think he's a great 80-20 guy when it comes to balls. But can he stay healthy? Can he truly be that other that number two guy next to Keenan Allen and be and, and where Keenan Allen can depend on somebody? I think they need another tight end op- opposite you know uh, Hunter Henry. Um, I think there's a lot of question marks with that offense. And then we go on the defensive side of the ball. I, I think they need a training staff that, that is much better. I think the question does not go enough, the, the problems with the training staff, because these guys are dropping like flies. I understand it's a, it's a, a weird year. They didn't have training camp, they, a, you know, a long training camp. They didn't have preseason to kind of get those jitters out. But I got to look at the training staff. The last couple of years, man, these guys have been decimated with injuries. And I got to look at the training staff. The same thing I saw with the Dodgers, the same thing I saw with the Lakers once upon a time. And when they started changing training staffs, you saw fewer and fewer injuries happening to their players. And I think that's something that that the Chargers organization needs to strongly take a look at outside of the coaching and the upper management aspect. But looking at the training staff, make sure these guys are staying healthy, maybe trying new techniques to keep them healthy. I don't know. What say you, sir? Um, well, when you when you talk about Jim Harbaugh, it's funny because I was looking on uh, Twitter on Saturday after they lost to, I think, Indiana. And uh, and fans are like, oh, my God, this is the guy that you guys want as the head coach. Like, really? I'm like, you can say whatever you want about Jim Harbaugh, the college coach. But in the NFL, he has a proven track record. And it's like you said, everything that you detailed is perfect. The thing that I was uh, I argue sometimes when it comes to Jim Harbaugh is remember he's going to go out and get the best coaches at each position. He's going to go out and get the best offensive coordinator, the best defensive coordinator, and he's going to make very good moves, which I, I think is something that the Chargers do need. They need a coach like that. They need a coach that is going to dedicate himself to the team, and I feel like Jim Harbaugh would be the perfect guy for um, for this job. Uh, I think he could do, like you said, he would keep Pep Hamilton, which I think Pep Hamilton has been crucial to Justin Herbert's development. I feel like uh, Pep Hamilton needs to stay. No matter if there's a a changing in coach and whatever you want, I think it is crucial for them to keep Pep Hamilton as the the quarterback's coach. Um, But, yeah, no, definitely Jim Harbaugh should be – I mean, he's just going to cost a lot of money, but I think it is worth it. I think at one point you need to – I think at one point you are going to need to spend money and you are going to need to go get a coach if you are serious about bringing a championship. And they're not in San Diego anymore. They're not in San Diego. They're in L.A. They have to compete with the Lakers. They have to compete with the Rams. They have to compete with, I mean, even even though they've never won a championship, but you still have to compete with the Clippers. So, I mean, you have to compete. And the Dodgers, too. And the Kings. The Spark, everybody, like. Even even WWE when it comes in, uh, you have to compete with them. Um, so honestly, they 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 have a lot they need to do, and I feel like they've I I feel like they just they're almost they're almost there in a sense. Like you said, they have to bring in some more players. I feel like 
yes, they have good receivers and they have guys like Tyron Johnson. They have guys like Jalen Guyton. But there's times where you need somebody else than Keenan Allen to go out and make those grabs. And Hunter Henry makes some good grabs. But I, there was a name that popped out to me. I was watching All or Nothing the other day. I don't know if you've watched that show on Amazon uh, Prime. And it was the Philadelphia Eagles. And I kept on watching Zach Ertz. And I kept on thinking, wow, can you imagine Zach Ertz like with Justin Herbert? He would look very good. Mm -hmm. Zach Ertz is a free agent, I believe, after this season. Um, I mean, instead of paying Hunter Henry, would the Chargers decide to go out and get a Zach Ertz Super Bowl winning champion? He knows what it takes. Uh, in the in the last few years, Nick, I don't know if you've noticed, but Tom Telesco and uh, Anthony Lynn, have, uh, they've hired players who they've brought in players who are Super Bowl champions and have that mentality. So, I mean, could they bring in a Zach Ertz instead of paying uh, Hunter Henry that money? Because um, I feel like there's a tier. I feel like it's Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Right behind them is Zach Ertz. And then you have the Hunter Henrys, those other, those other kinds of the other tight ends like that, like the guys that Jared Cook, the guys that'll make plays, but sometimes they go a little bit quiet. Zach Ertz, you know, in every game he's gonna do something. George Kittle uh, and Travis Kelsey, you know, in each game they're gonna do something. So I, I do believe that they do need to take a look and make sure that this is the the roster they need a they need a now they need a roster that fits Justin Herbert's style of play. And I feel like Keenan Allen fits any style of any quarterback's play. Um, but they, the, Mike Williams is a topic that they're going to need to discuss because I think next year he goes into his fifth year option. So you have, you still have him in, under control for this year and next year. And then you really have to look because his contract's going to be up and you know, Mike's going to want to make that big money. Is he the, the receiver that you guys want um, on the defensive side of the football? Uh, I, I haven't seen enough from some of the guys like, uh, Jerry Tillery, who was a first round draft pick you, you there, Casey Hayward yesterday got beat on two. So he set up the, the, the two touchdowns that they came in after the, after halftime, the Nelson Aguilar, he caught that touchdown over Casey Hayward. Um, Hunter Renfro got loose on Casey Hayward. So they need to look at Casey Hayward and say, Hey, is this the cornerback that, is he still a number one cornerback? Is he still the guy that uh, we still need here or uh, decide to move along? Michael Davis is also a free agent. Um, so they, they they have a lot of question marks. And like you said, they have to look at the training staff as well just because of all the injuries. Is Maybe that the reason why all these injuries are happening, injuries to Derwin James, injuries to all these other guys. I mean, there, there's a lot of questions that, that not only do the Chargers as a whole, as a 53-man roster and a coaching staff have, but it's even the questions outside of there that um, are starting to be asked and the Chargers pretty soon are going to need to answer them. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, my thing is why not pay both Hunter Henry and Zach Ertz? Yeah. Got the money and it works. Why just, not? Just because of the cap, I, I I would think that. But, I mean, I, I would do a one-year for Hunter Henry, a three-year for Zach Ertz, and, and do a two-tight-end system like that. And then you have Donald Parham. You could easily you could have a mismatch. Uh, you you know what? And, and I think what Hunter Henry would really benefit from is uh, uh and for anybody out there, I'm talking about the players, Rob Gronkowski and, and Aaron Hernandez combination. I feel like if you had yeah. a combo like that, 
this kid would just completely go bonkers with it and he would do well with it. And especially having Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, they need another running back, I think, um, to add to this mix. But uh, like a bigger back, like a LeGarrette Blunt, who's uh, he's gone, but like a bigger back, maybe uh, Kalen, uh, the kid from last night, uh, Balaj, maybe he could be that big back that they need. But I, I, I do think they still need a third receiver. They, they still have some pieces on that offense, but that offense is close. That offense is very close to being a perfect offense, kind of like what Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes has, perfect for him. And I feel like that's what they, where they need to get Herbert. Herbert's offense, uh, offense that hit, fits him. Absolutely, man. So thank you so much for providing the insight that you do, man. You do a great job. Uh, Sports Illustrated is definitely lucky to have you. Uh, thank you so much for, for giving us the insight on the Los Angeles Chargers, and we'll see how the rest of this season plays out. Um, make sure everybody you follow uh, Fernando Ramirez at Real F Ramirez on social media. That's Twitter and Instagram. And make sure you follow him at uh, sportsillustrated.com for the Chargers. Thank you so much, sir. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Nick, for having me on. All right, coming up on the other side of the break, we'll get into what's next for Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, and we'll have my take on my three cents, talking everything, sports, politics, pop culture, whatever it is, I'm going to be talking about it. You definitely don't want to miss that, so make sure you stay tuned. You're checking out TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM, Slam Radio 145. This is Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on SiriusXM Slam Radio 145. Make sure you follow me on all things social media at Nick Hamilton LA. Now, we talked about the NFL, and now we can talk a little college football because these are guys that will be in the NFL in a matter of possibly months, uh, being dra- having the opportunity to be drafted, and that's Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Trevor Lawrence, we all know, unfortunately, caught COVID-19. He's working his way back. There is uncertainty if he will return to Clemson, because if you think about it, what the hell else does he have to prove? If you're you're Trevor Lawrence, I mean, you won, you know, national championships. You got your Heisman. You, you, I mean, you, you, you really have nothing else to prove on the collegiate level. So why even try to expose yourself and further risk your health when it comes to uh, returning back to the game that you obviously love to play and have been playing for a very long time. But when you look at his career yards, I mean, he, the man has 87, 8,788 yards, 83 touchdowns for his career, his college career. Just this season alone in 2020, he's racked up 1,833 yards, 17 touchdowns with two interceptions, which is remarkable. You look where Clemson was the number one team in the country, uh, just ahead of Alabama. And they were they were rolling. But this has been an unusual year for college football, for sports, period, for life, period, for sports, period. So for him to be at, be able to rack up those yards and unfortunately go down thanks to COVID um, is really a spe- is really a, a special. Uh, this has definitely got to be a special kid. And if I'm Trevor Lawrence and I've heard many people say this, I've heard a lot of people say this. Um, listen. You already know the Jets being as sorry as they are are probably going to end up with the number one pick, unfortunately. And if I'm Trevor Lawrence, I veto my way out of the New York Jets organization. I pull an Eli Manning. 
I make sure that if you I, I put things out there, maybe not me personally, but I have a team of people putting stuff out there to the media world to say, look, if you draft me, I'm not showing up. So don't waste your pick on me. Don't even bother sniffing around me. Don't ask me nothing. I don't want to kick it with you, skate with you, nothing, man. Don't come nowhere around me. I don't want nothing to do with anything green and white ever. He's going to have to force his way out. And rightfully so, because when I look at the Jets as an organization from the ownership on down, I mean, who was the idiot that hired Adam Gase as if Adam Gase didn't already have a sorry ass record to begin with with the previous team? You thought Adam Gase was going to change the culture and the climate? You thought he was going to turn into a magically turn into a winning coach? This ain't Aladdin. There's no genie coming out of there's no blue genie coming out of a damn bottle to grant you three wishes. And hopefully one of the wishes was Adam Gates turning into a, a, a winning coach. Hell no. Let me know where they do that at, please. But until such time, if I'm Trevor Lawrence, I don't even want to sniff the draws of the New York Jets at all. I don't want to see MetLife Stadium unless I have to visit there as a member of the opposing team. There's no way in hell I'm going to the Jets. And if Trevor Lawrence goes to the Jets, he can pretty much kiss his career goodbye because they're going to waste him. If you don't see an example of wasting talent, if there's any talent available, look at Sam Darnold. Look how they're wasting away Sam Darnold. And I'm not saying that Sam Darnold is anywhere as talented as Trevor Lawrence is. But goodness gracious, if there's any indication of what the Jets can do for you, which is absolutely nothing, look at Sam Darnold. And if I'm Trevor Lawrence, there's a couple of teams out there that I probably would visit or look at or consider at some point. One, the New England Patriots. You got Bill Belichick. If you can put some playmakers around Trevor Lawrence and build that franchise up, you may be back in winning contention. You could end up winning the division once again, like in the days of Brady. Another opportunity could be the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I know they're kind of a messed up board. They're not too far away. They're distant cousins when it comes to the New York Jets as far as the organization. But, damn, you there is some hope and some, some promise with the Jacksonville Jaguars over the New York Jets. I would even have to look at the Atlanta Falcons, possibly, as a destination. Maybe the Chicago Bears. If they could trade up. So there's an opportunity for Trevor Lawrence to start his career off right. It's damn sure not going to be with the New York Jets. And if he if he succumbs to the pressure. If, hey, man, you got a short career in this in this National Football League. It's your own damn fault. There's no way in hell you, you deserve to go to the New York Jets. You're way too talented for them. They don't appreciate you. They don't appreciate talent whatsoever with the New York Jets. That's been evident for years. This ain't the first year. It, they've been doing this for years. They've sucked for years. And if I'm looking at Justin Fields, who I, th who I think is an absolute stud, this kid is a dynamic quarterback. He's a different type of quarterback. He is definitely NFL ready, and I don't blame him from opting out for this season. It's a short season. The Big Ten is only going to play eight games. I believe Ohio State can run the table, can get into the college football playoff. And I do believe this may be the year for Justin Fields to finally get his Heisman Trophy. I know he finished one year third in the Heisman Trophy balloting. So I think this may be the year where you have where you have, excuse me, Justin Fields be able to 
obtain the Heisman. And it's the what better time to do it? You don't have any real competition. Trevor Lawrence is out, unfortunately. And that's nothing to, you know, unfortunately, that's not to his own uh, situation. But you have no competition. So if you're Justin Fields, the Heisman is yours to lose. And you may be able to win it, may be able to skirt, skirt out a national championship. You may be able to do it. If you get past Alabama, may be able to do it. And if I if and once Justin Fields touches the league, please, dear God, do not go to the New York Jets. I am anti-New York Jets. I don't care who gets mad, who may be listening to this broadcast. I am anti-New York Jets. I do not want talented people. I only want sorry people to go to the Jets or mediocre people can go to the Jets because that's what that's I mean, that's what the Jets are. They're me- their mediocrity at its finest. If I'm Justin Fields, I think another good place would be the Atlanta Falcons. If the Atlanta Falcons continue to trick off wins, and I know they got they got a win on Sunday, and I'm happy for Raheem Morris, but don't win any more games. Just tank the season. Get you a Justin Fields where he can possibly sit down under Matty Ice for maybe a, a half a season or a season. I think the climate is good. You know, to have a black quarterback in Atlanta, that a city that is that is that is a good portion of the city is black. They rally around their, their sports teams. I think it'd be on and off the field. It'd be a, it'd be a plus for Arthur Blank and the Atlanta Falcons to get a kid like Justin Fields. He's poised. He has good character. This is a kid that can definitely lead your franchise on and off the field. So I think Atlanta could be a good destination for him for multiple reasons beyond football. I think the San Francisco 49ers could be another destination, especially if they decide to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. I think the San Francisco 49ers could be a good destination for for Justin Field, especially if they go ahead and keep losing games because their team has been decimated between injuries and COVID. My God, that's another good opportunity. So I'm looking at that. I can see, ah, what's another franchise? Mm, Maybe the Raiders? Because there's always been talk about, you know, John Gruden moving away from Derek Carr. And I know what I said earlier about Derek Carr. But if they decide to move away from Derek Carr, you got to have a backup option. And I think Justin Fields would probably be a good backup option as it pertains to John Gruden finally drafting somebody who he can groom and construct and, you know, be able to to run with and somebody who he can say, hey, my fingerprints is on this kid right here. So I think Las Vegas could be a good destination for Justin Fields. I think who else? A lot. Some people have said Dallas, but I don't see Dallas because we all know how Dallas is giving that heartaches, which they need to go ahead and pay that man, by the way. But um, those are my three destinations. I say Atlanta, um, San Francisco, or possibly Las Vegas could be good destination spots and landing spots for Justin Fields when it comes to drafts so we'll see we will see but please dear god that's my advice to trevor lawrence and justin fields stay the hell out of out of new york don't even think about it for your own sake and your own and your own career health all right y'all so here's my time for my three cents it was where i talk about anything going on in the world of sports politics pop culture on the streets whatever's going on 
I'm going to talk about it. So what's next for America? We all know that America has chosen its next president in Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, as I mentioned earlier on in the show. But deeper than that, I've always said that the voting process and the most power we have with voting comes on a local and state level. Whatever happens on the national level, whether we can control it or not control it, where some people believe we can't, some people believe we can, the more power we have is through the local and state level. And here in Los Angeles, there were many races that were being very close to being uh, called. Some were landslides, some were very close. There were a lot of propositions going on in our state. Uh, there were a lot of Senate seats up for grabs. And I know that has an impact on the Senate as well as the House uh, nationally. But there's one in one race that I paid attention to in particular. And I had this gentleman on one of my other shows, the NH Experience, with that you can find uh, exclusively on my YouTube channel, along with all streaming platforms. Uh, and his name was Joe Collins. And he was running for the 43rd congressional seat of California against Maxine Waters, who was the incumbent, who's been there for many, many years. We like to call her Queen Maxine out here in L.A. Uh, and so he decided to run against her. So I had him on my show and I had him explain to him to me why he decided to run against, you know, Maxine Waters. Why the time was now. Uh, again, you can go to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash NH Experience TV um, to get the full interview. If you're curious to, to hear his thoughts on, you know, the election. Uh, Maxine Waters and his campaign uh, against her. And to me, I liked a couple of his ideas that he had moving forward. I did not like the way that he went about trying to run a smear campaign against Maxine Waters instead of just running his own campaign and focusing on what he planned to do if he were elected in that particular seat. And I asked him extensively, do you support Donald Trump? Do you support his policies? Because a lot of people in our country were against it because we all know what his policies were. He said, well, I support the president. I don't agree with a lot of his policies, which turned out to be a lie because he ended up taking pictures with a lot of Trump supporters and a lot and actually getting the endorsement from Donald Trump himself that he posted on his social media sites. Now, I don't know. I don't have anything against him directly, personally. But what I will say is I was very extremely disappointed. And the way he decided to try to run a smear campaign against Queen Maxine. So basically, he wanted all the smoke. And then when Queen Maxine decided to give him the smoke that he so utterly desired, all of a sudden he wants to cry foul and say that the election was stolen from him, much like 45 is saying right now. And also, he wants to file a lawsuit of defamation against Maxine Waters and company because he felt like she defamed his character. Well, she brought out some facts. And she brought out some interesting points that, hey, listen, this guy used to be part of the another party. And he decided to jump parties and become a Republican this time around. You know what? This guy did X, Y and Z. So all the things that she brought out. Point being is this. Look, man, you're lost. You got 27 percent of the vote. That's right. You heard me. 27 percent of the California state vote for the 43rd district. I happen to stay in the 43rd district. If you know anything about the 43rd district, it is predominantly black and brown people. But you also have some Caucasian people that were not in favor of Trump's policies and in favor of Trump as well. You have some that were. You have some that weren't. That, I believe, hurts you. And now on, on top of that, you're going to run a smear campaign against them, one of the most decorated women in our country who's done quite a bit for our community. 
This is the same woman back in the early 90s that took on the CIA and for and made the CIA finally tell the truth that they pushed cocaine and crack in black and brown neighborhoods, which was a very dangerous time. This is the same woman that's fought for community centers, fought for education opportunities for black and brown people in our, in the 43rd district. So to me, I don't know anybody that would be smart enough to run against Maxine Waters and think you're going to win. I just think you just need to let her retire when it's time for when she was when she decides to retire and let and you know give up her seat, then it's up for grabs. And that's the only time we're going to see somebody else in that seat. But don't you over here suing somebody, you out here, you know, running a campaign, you got all these people in your ear, you know, egging you on that don't know a lick about politics truly. You're not going to win, bro. Just take the L with dignity and move on. Try for the next term. Maybe the next term you may be more successful. Who knows? But stop with all the theatrics, man, because you're making yourself really look bad. And you're making yourself look worse than what you really are. And I think you're a cool dude. And I think you, you're a guy that, that's very that's pretty smart. You know, because, again, I've had a chance to talk with Joe Collins. So I just, this is not a smear campaign against Joe Collins himself at all. But what I will say is I think you're going about things the wrong way and it could come back to bite you in the ass at some point. And it could jeopardize your political future. So pick up your stuff, pack it up, pack it in and walk on. Hold your head up high. You tried. You know, you, you did some community cleanups. You did. You, you passed out food to the people that needed food. I commend you for all of that. But you lost. And if you don't believe me, take it from one of the legends himself who gave some advice to somebody who also lost. What the fuck is wrong with you? Wait, man, look, you shot. You lost. I mean, we'd have paid you if you won, but you lost. Now take your big ass home and brush that tooth. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, sometimes you got to bring some comedy in certain situations, man. But it's true. Whether it's comical or not, it's true. Thank you so much for tuning in to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. I'd like to thank my special guest, Fernanda Ramirez from Sports Illustrated, giving us the inside scoop on not only Los Angeles Chargers, but the AFC West and what could potentially happen the rest of the season into the offseason. Thank you so much for you all tuning in. Once again, make sure you follow me on all things social media at Nick Hamilton LA. Until next week, stay sharp. I'm out. The views and opinions expressed on TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose, are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.